Welcome to the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. Every week, I host live chats via our YouTube channel with leaders in the AFL and high-performance industries. Join me live every Sunday at 6pm where I debrief for recent chats and announce the upcoming guests. We drop an inspiring and educational episode every Monday. If you like the show, please follow us on your favourite podcast app. Welcome back to the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. My name is Jack McLean. I am the host, and in today's episode, I interview Gavin Bell. Gav is the head of development at the West Coast Eagles and has worked at the Eagles for the last 14 years. He began as a development coach focusing on young midfield players initially. Since 2013, he has shifted his focus into overseeing and managing the performance and development of the club's players, coaches, and leaders. With a passion for assisting athletes, coaches, and leaders to be the best they can be, a 20-year coaching career with a background in professional, semi-professional, and junior sporting environments, builds on his 14 years of experience as a classroom teacher and school leader. Highlights from this episode, we discuss the importance of getting experience early in your coaching career, his experiences both good and bad in working in elite sport, he shares his love for teaching and how much this helped his development as a coach, lots of practical tips for developing coaches and athletes throughout the whole episode. Before we start this episode, for those wanting to join our online program, we have a seven-day trial. Head to preparelikeapro.com and join our email list to receive a free masterclass and a seven-day program on the Team Builder app. That involves strength training, power training, and conditioning, everything you need to improve your athleticism. Let's get into today's episode. Welcome, Gav. Thanks, mate. Thanks very much for having me, Jack. Thanks for coming on, mate. I'm really looking forward to this chat. Take us uh, back to the beginning of, of your career in the coaching game. Uh, where, where did you start and um, how old were you when you started coaching? Yeah, well, I finished playing um, waffle footy um, relatively young, took a year off, travelled with some mates and then came back. And my first real experience with the coaching side of things um, was doing some fitness work with uh, West Perth uh, with my old team. Um, At the same time, I was a school teacher and a primary school phys ed teacher. So, um, yeah, we just basically got got, sunk my teeth into it. um, Kept it nice and simple, made rehab nice and hard so they didn't want to be there. and then. yeah, just did the very best we could, really, mate. And then from there, um, got an opportunity with the State 18s um, on their coaching staff and doing their fitness work. And on returning from that carnival was um, appointed the reserves coach at West Perth, which I, I did for four years. And then after we had some um, success with our league side, because I was the assistant coach with the league side too, then moved into coaching, being the head coach of the under-18s or the Colts, as it's called over here. So had four years there. Um, Learned a hell of a lot running my own program um, and being being in the uh, the main chair, I suppose, and um, still teaching at that time, assistant principal, um, and was just at a point where I needed to work out what I was going to do and um, accepted an opportunity as an assistant principal at another school, thought I'd cut back from footy, get into, was appointed the state 16s coach, um, which was going to be a bit of a shorter program, and then Got a phone call out of the blue from West Coast. So applied, went through the process, um, and it was quite a process back then. There were sort of five or six interviews with a recruiting company right through all the background stuff. And, um, yeah, was appointed in January 08 and been here ever since. Fantastic. Yeah, wow. So there's quite a bit to unpack there. You mentioned uh, you're a PE teacher and you're working in the fitness uh, area. At that point in your career, did, were your goals to uh, be a strength and conditioning coach as, at a club or was it to be in the coaching side? Like take us through how that opportunity um, came about. Well, really it was um, – I just loved the game. I just uh, – as a player, um, I was just an average player. I played in some good teams. I was fortunate. But um, yeah, it wasn't a great player by any stretch, but just loved the involvement, loved the, loved the camaraderie of being a good club. And um, that was the opportunity that was presented um, Bella, do you want to be our game day runner and our fitness coach and, and help us with um, getting ready for the season? So, yeah, I just grabbed it. And um, I, think, uh, I think a lot of people, um, unless you were a star athlete or a star performer in the AFL, you um, grab some opportunities. You might not get paid, but you, you get into it and um, just learn heaps and see the other side of the game. So, it was, um, yeah, it wasn't an aspiration to become a fitness coach, but, um, yeah, it certainly certainly sunk my teeth into the coaching side and seeing what the other side of the, the game is like. Yeah. And what sort of support did you have then? Like, were you, was there a physio that you're working with, with the fitness side of things? Uh, was there a doctor? What was sort of the um, medical performance team looking like back then? 
Yeah, so we're, we're talking back in the uh, the late 90s. So, yep. um, no, it was – I mean, everyone was – none of us were full-time. We are all working. We had a couple of great physios and um, a club doctor. Um, but really it was about, um, you know, lots of long running. Uh, David Parker used to have a book out years and years ago that I got a lot of my work from. I can't even remember what it was called now, but Play Australian Rules Football or something like that. Um, yep. It was a, a great old resource. And so I used a lot of that stuff, a lot of my own experience, and then um, – um, from the work that we used to do and, and then really um, once we got through the summer like I said it was about taking care of the rehab guys but more in medical staff doing their thing and they had a lower leg injury then upper body as hard as we can and, and make rehab <laughs> as tough as it could be so that they wanted to get back out on the track so there wasn't a lot of science going on I can assure you Jack that's for sure mate but uh, it was uh, get in get as fit and as strong as you can and um, yeah get back out in the park and play. Yeah. And, and you mentioned the physical um, education side of things. Do you feel like those, the skill set and experience you got teaching helped, has helped you today with the coaching and communication? Yeah, no doubt. Um, it's actually interesting. Uh, my son's looking at getting into teaching as well. And um, the teaching degree, I mean, our CEO here, Trevor Nisbet's a, a teacher. Our chairman who runs Hawaiian Group, he's a teacher. Our head of recruiting, um, in WA for a long time, Trevor Woodhouse, he's a teacher, a high performance manager is a teacher. So those skills, um, I think the fact that you communicate um, effectively, you can simplify complex things. Um, there's a, a side to you, I guess, that is really invested, like in your promo there, that you, you're keen to help people grow and to improve. I, I guess what was a real eye-opener for me is that I'd be teaching um, in the classroom and you know, lots of pastoral care, lots of time spent and breaking things down and then it just took a while for me to be able to bring those skills into my coaching because uh, all kinds of things from uh, ego, desire to win, win at all costs um, sort of took over and it wasn't until uh, a few a few hard lessons were learned that I thought why am I taking off my teaching cap and becoming someone completely different when I get in the car and drive up to West Perth? Why can't I just transfer the skills that I have in the classroom that have helped me be relatively successful as a teacher why can't I do that as a as a footy coach and when I did that um yeah my coaching went and um really really grew and really improved yeah right that's interesting how, how did you come to that realization was there personal frustration was it a, a- <laughs> there's a couple of incidences mate I actually hurt myself at half time um getting a bit carried away with things I suppose um yeah but I, I guess I guess at the same time I was I was so concerned what other people thought really I, I think that was that was what was happening and my life away from football was quite there was quite a lot happening my mum wasn't well I had little kids um, and yeah I think I think at this time it was more about uh, it was probably more about me to be honest when I was coaching as opposed to investing back into the players and trying to help them be as good as they could be so, yeah, there's a couple of things and a couple of good mates of mine that were coaching up at the club at the time, um, Jeff Valentine, Darren Harris in particular, particularly Harrow, sort of saying to me like, hey, you've been a different sort of fella here. What's what's going on when you get into the coach's box? And Yeah, and really, I mean, I was still only in my 20s um, and maybe early 30s. But, um, yeah, at the end of the day, and on reflection now, and I can pass that lesson on with the coaches that I have here, that I work with here, that... Um, it was really about me, which is um, embarrassing to say now, but um, it's been important for my, for my growth and my development as a coach. Yeah, absolutely. And I appreciate the honesty, mate. I think anyone working in the field of, of a service where we're servicing players, would, would re- that would resonate with themselves. Like I know for myself, there was definitely a period of time early on where you, you are either projecting your own experiences onto others and you're not really seeing who's in front of you and, and, uh, and that sort of thing. Um, so it's, it's, uh, it takes, I guess, some good self-awareness and, like you said, some and some good support networks and mates to be open and honest with you as well to, to give you that feedback. Um, yeah. On that note, with, with influencers and mentors, have there been, are there guys that pop up um, straight off the bat that have, have been strong mentors for yourself or is it more someone that you've sort of driven your own career and then you've, you've uh, reached out to others when you need uh, information? Yeah, I've been I've been blessed. I um, come through a club like West Perth. There's been my two senior coaches there, Jeff Geeshan and, and John Dimmer, were fantastic, fantastic coaches. Again, again, both school teachers. When I think about it, both primary school teachers, um, and just great men. Very different, but um, but great men, and and showed me 
um, and taught me a lot about how you can teach the game, really. Um, and as I mentioned, Darren Harris is a good mate of mine. He's actually the one that threw my hat into the ring for the development coach here. He was the uh, line coach of the forwards um, in 06 and 07 here at West Coast, so, and 08, sorry. And so um, himself, those guys along the journey to get to West Coast, and then since I've been here, Matt, I've been absolutely blessed with the people I've worked with, um, from John Warsfold with his ability to see the bigger picture despite um, everything else going on to the way Simo goes about his education of, with players and the passion and energy he brings. Scotty Burns and Phil Walsh were both huge for me when I started, um, as was Peter Sumich and Michael Broadbridge. They were huge um, parts of my career as, as coaches and assistant coaches, just helping helping me feel like I belong in the system, which can be tough when, you, when you're not a household name and pretty much all those guys are or were. Um, so they've been they've been awesome and then there's people on the outside of the coaching department glenn stewart who's the high performance manager here um he's his ability to critically analyze and think and put structures in place is first class and ian miller's another guy that uh he just won the neil Danaher lifetime achievement award and um the way he interacts with players and makes people feel welcome and makes people feel comfortable and connects everyone um yeah been been great for me along the way yeah, and in terms of that, like, are you, are you, how do you go about your own personal craft and development? Like, is it do you go through phases where you're like, this, I'm going to focus on communication and get obsessed about that, or is it more day by day areas of your your coaching where you feel like, oh, I'm I'm lagging a little bit there. I'm going to speak to this person on that because they're an expert. You know, um, how do you sort of go about uh, improving yourself as a coach? Yeah, well, I guess um, probably twofold. I have my own individual plan that I that I work to that our GM Craig Bozzo and CEO Trevor Nisbet help help me with because there's areas um, from from their experience that can really help me with the next phase of what I'm trying to do or what I'm trying to become, and that's a, a really sh- a, g- a good leader and a good manager um, and yep. a good administrator as well. So um, I have my own plan and things that I'm working on in there. Um, but then again, along the journey, I've um, just, I mean, growth and learning has um, been been massive for me. It's a, it's one of my values, to be honest, is is growth. And um, I've been on a couple of trips to the US with the Coaches Association, um, where we visited different um, sports, where universities, NFL clubs, um, NHL clubs. Um, Jamie Graham and I went spent some time at EPL clubs um, in their academies and so on. Um, yeah, did a diploma of leadership and management, um, and then I've just met. Uh, I do a lot of reading, mate. Um, there are things that catch my attention and um, and that I really want to delve into. Um, but also making sure that I don't consume so much information, I get myself confused because all of a sudden there's all these conflicting views, and yeah. trying to stay true to what my strengths are as a coach and not losing that and trying to always get better. Keep coming back to okay. As a coach or as a as a person in a footy club, um, making sure I don't lose the reason that I'm here. As we say with our players, don't forget why you got drafted. Make sure you keep bringing your strengths. Yeah, such a good message for for the listeners, both developing footballers and and coaches. That, like you said, that's the reason you you're at the top. Or or for those listening that want to strive to get towards the top, that's what it's their strengths that's going to get them there. Um, for the from from what you mentioned with Daniel Harris giving you that referral, how important is it um, having strong networks and doing a good job, you know, at the lower levels and and giving the you know appreciating those roles before you, I guess, you make it in the top. Yeah, well, I, I think it's um, a lot of people, including players, when they arrive and, and um, young coaches and so on, are, are really in a rush. And I understand that because um, it's an exciting industry and we want to be the best we can be. And, um, but it takes time. It, it really takes time. It's a it's a learned craft. Um, I think being able to learn along the way, have people that will not only educate you but pull you up when you need to be pulled up. It was it was interesting. I was on one of our trips. Matthew Nix was on our trip, and uh, it was interesting when he got so got to know Nixie. He was a, he was a ripping guy, and uh, when he first got appointed, he talked about the fact that he had a group of mates, and that he told he'd said to them, "If you see me behaving in a way that." It's not the agreed way we said we'd behave. Make sure you make sure you let me know. You know, and I think it might have been to his wife as well. So, um, yeah, having that is um, is really important because the game, the the industry, uh, whether you're coaching kids or guys are coaching at our level, it can be very consuming. So it's um, 
being able to have that support network where you can not only switch off, but they can give you some feedback and keep you accountable to how you want to be, I think is, is critical. Mm. Yeah, yeah the, the support network, like you mentioned, is key. And it's not just those you're working with, but also in your life as well. Uh, that's a, another good message. And, and what would be some things that, you know, like that you may have noticed um, for your mates that are going through it and, and do get uh, suffocated by the role or, or, like you said, they're rushing into it too much? What are some common signs that that's happening? Probably what I did <laughs> at the start. We're just getting so caught up in um you know, trying to push and push and push and prove yourself and what is everyone thinking? Um, you know, how am I going to get to the next level? What's the next job? Um, rather than being able to step back and say, okay, if I can just focus in on my craft, if I can focus in on forming really good relationships with the, not only the players but the staff around the players and the staff above all of us that, that govern what we do um, and keep trying to invest in um, my role as the coach and, and focusing on that. I think that that's, that's a really important part. I've been distracted and I've seen others distracted by the next, you know, what's going to be, okay, I've got this job, what's the next one? What am I going to do next? What am I going to do next? As opposed to have that dream, have that aspiration and then just let it sit there because you can't control it. Um, but what you can control, um, continuing to learn, grow, develop, investing in your work, investing in your players or your staff or whatever it might be. So. Yeah, I think people in a rush can tend to take their eye off um, what's truly important, and that's the people mm -hmm. that are in front of you and, and the way you conduct yourself in that space too. Yeah, yeah. and going back to your journey, so you, you started at West Coast after being from West Perth. Um, talk us through, for those that aren't aware, what a development coach does in the AFL program. What, what did that role look like and what are sort of your, who are your key relationships and um, what, are your, what are your key um, roles within the role, I guess? Yeah, sure. So when I started, um, West Coast had just come through, was working their way through a cultural change program, basically on the back of um, some well-publicised things that had happened in 06 and 07. So, um, yeah, I guess my role, uh, one of the key reasons I think that I was appointed is that I, my point of difference was different to everybody else. I was a school teacher. Um, I was working in a partial role as well. And um, and I'd been dealing with young men for a number of years, so with with my role as co coaching under eighteen. So I think that that um, enabled me to come in. Back then, I was the only development coach, so development coach numbers have grown in clubs where there's sort of generally one per line. That's sort of been a bit changed. That's changed a bit since COVID. But um, yes, yeah, so I was the development coach. I had twenty two or twenty three first to third year players because of the change, and. Really, it was. Um, I likened it to trying to be there uh, at the time. I would explain it sort of like I'm their, their dodgy uncle. I'm their their guy that they can have a laugh with, they can connect with. I'm there to support them, to pull them up. I'm there to spend time on the basics of their game, the fundamentals, um, helping them through the ups and downs of being an 18 to 21 year old that that just come with life. And when you're a West Coast player um, in Perth, it's a it's a huge organisation. Um, We've got 106,000 members, so they come in and um, they go from playing at a club like West Perth to a big club like this, so it's helping them transition in that space. So it really is a the development coach role, even to these, even now, with sometimes three to four of them at different clubs, depending obviously pre-COVID, um, yeah. it is really a holistic development of them. Their, their, their craft, working with the strength and conditioning staff around their body, um, their mind working in with our psychologists or whoever it might be um, in that space and then our well-being and development team so that they've got um, you know you're holding their feet to the fire for their study you're making sure that they're invested in something off field that their living is at a standard it's going to give them the best chance to have a successful career um, yeah and then like I said and then just being there for to connect and have a laugh with and I, I was really fortunate. My first lot of guys in my first few years, some of them are still here now and they're uh, probably going to be legends of the game. I mean, I'm, I'm very close to Chris Maston and Scotty Selwood. Uh, they were in my first sort of crew and Brad Ebert. And then um, Nick, Nick Matanui and Luke Shuey were in my next group and I'm incredibly close to those two guys and extremely um, proud to be not only involved in what they've done but to be friends with them to be honest so um and yeah and i've been because i've been here for so long i've seen lots of great players um come in and have an impact um 
and we've gone and some of us have gone through a hard time together too. We've come last and um, we've also won won the flag. So um, been through all those with a with a large group of folks. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. That you you mentioned rushing as a as a coach. Uh, what about the first to three year players? I imagine you, you'd see a similar mindset where people are pushing and they're wanting to rush in, in their development and. Uh, you know, play their first game in their first year, which happens for some, but some have to wait until, like you said, around that 21-year-old within that first to three-year players. How, how do you manage that as a coach, those expectations? Yeah, I think um, we, we don't want to suppress or squash any ambition or talent or um, we want them to be able to get out and play, but it's also them being realistic um, and understanding that um, to be playing AFL football, um, not only does there need to be an opportunity, but you need to be playing better than the guys that are in that role. And um, them understanding that whilst they may have been the best player in their team, there's a a hell of a lot to learn. Um, The style of play, um, playing against the best players in in the country, well, best players in the world really, aren't they? So best footballers in the world. So, um, you know, I think if they can come to a to a club, um, being confident enough that they're going to they're going to get there, and then yeah. they're going to do the work to get there, but also humble enough to know that they're not too many guys in my time um, have come in in their first year and gone straight into the AFL side and not gone out. And the only player in my time that I can think of that that's that's happened to is Jack Darling. Um, he's the only guy out of you know we've got multiple All Australians. Been very fortunate with the talent we've had come through the door, but um, all of them, including Nick and Luke and um, those sort of guys, um, multiple best and fairest winners have all played waffle football. Um, Josh Kennedy played 30 to 40, 50 VFL at waffle games, you know. So it's them understanding that it, it takes time um, um, to be, not to sit back, but to be patient but doing the work. If that- yeah, yeah, there's a balancing act, isn't there? Like, like you said, you want them to be... You don't want to be complacent and just sit back and just say, oh, it's going to take three years, but you want them pushing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, mate. And and we also don't want them to arrive thinking, well, I'm a West Coast player now um, because my name got called out of the draft. And, um, you know, how good is this? I get all this free stuff and I'm West Coast and I walk around and do it. It's it's trying to strike the right balance of uh, remaining really hu- humble um, but also prepared to roll up the sleeves and do the work and know that uh, it's a tough industry. Whether you're a coach or SNC coach or a player, it's um yeah, it's 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 a tough gig. So uh, it's a great gig, but it's a tough gig. Yeah, and for the developing coaches listening in, if if you were talking to your younger self pre the experience you've had now, what and and you're about to head coach a an under 18s program again, um, what would you do differently to you know 14 years ago? Um, I think I think there's been a lot of work done now. Um, by people like Brene Brown. Uh, I've been fortunate to work with a guy called Peter Fuda um, in Victoria, uh, in Sydney. Um, even the thing work that um, Ben Crow's doing, uh, I did a masterclass with him last night on, online about understanding yourself. Um, as I mentioned, I was all over the joint when I first started, but really understanding uh, what your purpose is, I think, um, what your values are, what you like at your best, what are the things that trigger you. Um, to not be at your best, how does that show up? Um, how can you be aware that you're in that state before you say something you might regret or do something that you may, um, again, regret or not be not be comfortable with that you've done? So I think the work um, on understanding yourself, knowing, um, knowing who you are, what makes you tick, what your motivations truly are. If I'd been able to, and that's this sort of work, I wasn't, uh, around, I suppose, really in the 90s when I started. Um, yep. But there's a lot of things now that you can look at and get into that space, and I think it's really important. Like I said, the thing I, work I did last night with Ben Crony's webinar was um, he's got three simple questions and, you know, who am I, what do I want, and how do I get there, or something like uh, those, those are the three that he works to, and I just think it's really important. Um, a lot of coaches, I think, get caught up with the style of play the X's and the O's, as the Americans would call them, or the drill design, um, that sort of thing. But um, if I could go back and grab the young belly, probably in a headlock I'd have to, and say to him, mate, um, understand yourself first and lead yourself first before you try and lead anyone else, um, yeah. would, be the, would be the advice I'd give him. 
Yeah, it's such great advice. Um, and and how would you go about doing that if you were if you were trapped in the headlock? Yeah. Uh, what, what what practical tips rather than shaking him up and getting him to to think differently? Yeah. Uh, what practical tips and you know would you would you begin? Is it doing? You know, you're obviously doing the workshops. I imagine that that would be a start. But uh, how are you going and, and actioning those those learnings? I guess into your role. Yeah, I think. Um... I mean, there's a couple of great resources out there. Um, True North is a book uh, and there's a workbook that goes with it. I think his name is Bill George. And it's actually having a look at your personal story and understanding who you are and why, and sort of why you are the way you are. So um, I would be encouraging him, uh, Young Belly, to do the work. And it's not quick work. It's not, oh, you know, I grew up there and did this and that. It's actually... Digging in deep, you might find some stuff you don't particularly like. You might find some stuff that's been a bit buried. But, yeah, I'd, I'd encourage him either find these resources that we're talking about now or find someone that can actually help you get everything from inside of you out so you can understand uh, why you are the way you are. Um, and, yeah, I don't think there's any silver bullet to it, to, to be honest, apart from doing the work and being able to... Um, have someone support you, whether it's on an app or whether or uh, on a program like that, or a book like we mentioned, or a person that's sort of trained in, and skilled in that area. Yeah, yeah, that's great advice. So that's self awareness and, and asking the hard questions, like you said, uh, things that may have been suppressed and not dealt with are important um, yeah. to understand. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, some of the some of the things that they these books will do is ask you to go back and what are the, some of the key moments in your life and having a look at that and then what do you learn from that? Uh, what do you take away? What's still sitting with you now that you may not? Um, for me, my parents got divorced when I was two and it's not until you do the work, you realise, hang on, maybe that's why I can feel like I can feel because my dad left, you know, that sort of thing. So yep. being able to understand, okay, I'm flying off the handle maybe because there's, yeah, um, there's things within me that are uh, triggering me off. Yep. Yeah, I love that. And, and like you said, then you can have the skill set to be able to recognise things that are triggering you and not acting on it, but actually being able to self-manage, I guess. In yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a, the saying of there's awareness, there's acceptance. And once you've made that step from I'm aware that I get triggered by these things, I accept that I get triggered by these things, then it's a very quick step to action. I can put things in place straight away. I can pull myself up, I can take a deep breath, I can walk away and come back, whatever it might be as opposed to no awareness and no acceptance and then just acting like a, like you don't want to. Yeah, yeah. And there's a real sense of responsibility in your own self, I guess, then as well, in your own craft and that um, once you start owning that it's, like you said, you've got to teach yourself to, to lead well first before you can teach. Uh, it's almost like you're looking within yourself bef- to, to see how much impact you do on yourself first and then you'll be able to help others. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And with the role, you've, um, like you said, you've, there's been a huge amount of uh, success and then also challenges. We'll, we'll go to the challenges first. What, what's been some of the biggest challenges uh, over the over you know, last 13, 14 years and, and what did you learn from it? Well, whilst I wasn't frontline to, um, wasn't frontline to the wooden spoon, yeah, I mean, I was in amongst the group and part of it all. But the key learning for me was John uh, Warsfold being able to have a really clear vision and being able to work towards that vision um, despite all the naysayers, despite all the knockbacks and phone poles to sack him and all that sort of stuff. He just stayed true to what he wanted to do, um, to what he felt like our group could achieve. And uh, it wasn't just blind faith. He had, uh, or blind faith, I should say, he had um, a lot of things in place to actually help us get to that pathway. Um, but having someone in a time of, football crisis you know it's uh, wasn't wasn't an easy time have someone that was um able to show us the way we we're trying to head keep us on track keep himself on track and um get us out of it and then so we went from wooden spoon and if you look at articles which i've got from back in that year um he's talking about being ready to challenge for a premiership um really highly rated football people are mocking him almost um during the, in the media saying you're kidding yourself and then in yeah. 2011, we made a prelim. So, um, you know, I think that has been a critical lesson for me or a crucial lesson for me in our industry is you can't sweep what's going on under the carpet. 
Um, you need to deal with things. You need to make change. You need to try and grow and learn. But you also need um, a really clear vision and being able to communicate that to your staff and to your players that, um, yeah, it's not a linear, straight-up um, pathway, this this game or um, life, really. It's ups and downs. Um, but, you know, we've got to keep having our our destination in place um and that's where we want to that's where we want to get to and we want to do the work yeah yeah and and within your own role as well in development um how much does it change when you know you are preparing a player to play in their first year and then how much does it know when you think realistically it's probably going to take a couple of years for this player to develop into their body and maturity and these other things like what changes when time is a is a factor in your own development um well i think First of all, probably comes back to ensuring that they don't lose the reason they got drafted. So making sure they continue to play to their strengths when they go out and play waffle football or they're at training, that they um, they playing to their strengths. That they're really clear on the one, two, or three things maybe that they're working on at at, at most. Um, and it's just that gradual path. Really, it's trying to uh, at times you need to get in front of, in front of them. Um, and say, right, it's this way. The times you need to get behind them and keep pushing them along, and other times it's it's walking beside them. Um, yeah, I, I guess there again, there's no, there hasn't been any real difference in how I've been able to, in my approach to whether I've had Luke Shuey or whether I've had a young guy that you would never have heard of before that um, sort of was in and out of the system in a couple of years. Try to give them um, as much time and as much care and as much um, information with, um, without going overs and support. That we can really, and everyone's journey is different, just like in coaching. Uh, everyone, whether you're an SNC, a footy coach as well, um, everyone's journey is going to be different. And um, yeah, it's just important to be able to invest time really and, and keep them also probably picturing towards their vision and doing the work that's required. Yeah. And you mentioned the individual plan that you have um, and, and your, your, uh, how important it is to seek information, but also not overwhelm yourself with too much. Um, yep. How do you how do you have that approach with players? Like, are they do they have a one area that they're focusing on or two areas? Um, is it broken up into different categories from nutrition to football craft? Um, take us through how a young AFL player goes about their development from a I guess a month by month point of view. Yeah, well, each player, um, as does each coach, has an individual plan, and really um, we use the philosophy. There's three things you can train: your craft, your body, and your mind. So uh, what's the priority in, in those areas? Um, sometimes they're going to all cross over. Um, so we go down that path, um, looking at the different ways that we can get the best out of our players um, in those three key areas. Um, so, yeah, I think by um, being really clear and specific, having something that we can measure, um, having something that um, we can provide good feedback on, um, yeah, again, nothing, nothing that would be earth-shattering to anyone out there listening. It's, it's more about um, where do we want to get to, where are we at, um, what are the gaps in between, and let's start to work and chip away at those gaps on the path to where we want to get to. So um, that being, as we talked about before, being humble enough and grounded enough and um, um, having a real clear picture of what the current reality is, uh, you, know, you need to leave your ego on the hook and say, this is where I am. And um, what do we need to do to get to the next level and to the next level? So um, that, that's the approach that we take, more of, a, more of a current reality, a vision, and then the gaps in between to get there. Awesome, mate. I appreciate you sharing that. And, and for the developing footballers tuning in um, and, and the, you know, taking down notes, what, what would be, for, for a 15-year-old male and female footballer, what's something that when you see a new draft pick come in, um, that you get excited about when they're showing certain traits, whether it be physical or the mental side or attitude, whatever it might be. But like, what are three things that you think? Oh, I've I've seen this before in a few players, and it's a bit of a trend, and they seem to seem to go well in the AFL system. Yeah, well, I've got uh, two boys. One's um, fifteen and one's seventeen. So um, I'm actually I've been here in the workplace doing it, and I'm I'm dealing I'm not dealing I'm working on it at home too because they love their footy. Um, but really, it's uh, there's a couple of areas, and it probably goes to what what we talked about before, really, with the different aspects you can train. But um, not to lose sight of the fundamentals of the game, with ball in hand, um, being clean, and with with one touch, um, makes a huge difference uh, at our level. If you can take the ball cleanly, um, and a lot of that is just repetition sort of work, um, 
different tricks and tools to um, whether it's rebound nets or taking things one-handed or whatever it might be in a training setting just to ensure that you are as clean as you can be so when the ball because the whole thing speeds up the higher the grade the quicker the game so um, yeah being able to be one touch player uh, both at, at ground level and when the ball's in your in your area to, to mark it or, or to catch it um, your kicking and your handball or the, the real basics of the game not lose sight of that um, I think probably my opinion from uh, your wheelhouse mate your space is um whilst the the strength and the physic and the conditioning stuff is super important i also think the work done in the durability space and the mobility is really important um we have a lot of guys that can come in and even though they're young they, they're starting to put muscle on but they're tight as tight can be you know so they don't have the flexibility they don't have the mobility through the hips um so i th- um, through their shoulder range all that sort of stuff mate so i think um that aspect of yes we need you to be fit and strong but if you can be uh, working on your durability and your mobility i think that that's that's critical and then the mindset stuff is really from my point of view there's probably two parts to it there's one an openness to learn and being really truly coachable um you come into our program you do know you do know a lot but can you empty your cup just a little bit so we can fill fill it up a little bit more um with some new information and being open to that having a growth mindset you might not be there yet get there if you keep doing the work um i think that those parts are super important and then knowing what your best version is knowing what you are like at your best and that self-awareness stuff that you know what can distract you so whether it's umpires or i can't get a kick or i'm worried whatever in school's going to say because my stats i've only had five touches and it's three quarter time and all my mates are going to see that on the app and you know, all those things that can distract you from being at your best and being present and playing to your strengths um, is just work to keep chipping away at, mate. Yeah, thanks, mate. That's such a thorough response. On the on the physical side, uh, obviously, it's there I'm interested in. It's certainly something I've noticed. Uh, so with the mobility that you mentioned and the shoulder range and hip, um, is that something you've noticed over the last 10 years that has had a, a decline? I think... Um, I think, like, obviously, when I came through playing, uh, weights, we did bench press and arm curls. That was it. We just sort of, that was all we, that's all we would do. So I think with the, um, I think that that sort of work, the mobility and the increasing your range and all that sort of thing, it's obviously not the sexy part of going to the gym. Um, it's not the part that um, when you walk down the beach, it's not going to grab everyone's attention, but it's going to hold you in good stead for the rigors of the game. So, We've had some really great people here, and I, and I know you've spoke to Steve Gravina before on the podcast, and and Geordie Stairs as well, um, and just that ability to um, to increase your range. Even even as an old man myself, like I started uh, in the hubs with Steve, and that just trying to improve my mobility, and it made a huge difference to to for me personally. Not that I'm a super fit guy, but um, old weary bones. I would just encourage people to to have a look at it too, and uh, for young athletes. Certainly, being able to to bounce around a little bit's important. Um, getting hit and being, not being being able to break, basically. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I just think it's a super important part. Gyms have taken off, uh, image has taken off, all those sorts of things. That wasn't a, that wasn't really around when when I was a younger bloke. But um, it's all you know, kids are pumping iron and taking supplements and all that sort of stuff now. Um, I just think uh, can't lose sight of. There's no point looking a million dollars if you if you can't get out in the park. So um, yeah. do the work, get fit, get strong, but make sure that you can get out and play. Yeah, yeah. Sort of goes back to the Ben Crow question: is like, what, what what do you want? What's your purpose? Like, if you're in the gym to get better at football, then you probably want to be doing football, you know, strength work. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Um, awesome. Well, not my quick... wheelhouse, mate. Not my wheelhouse, though. So I'll leave that to you to guide the guide the crew on what they should be doing. Yeah, yeah. And no, it's just interesting because I have noticed, I think a little bit to do with COVID, but um, I've been working with a few sort of thirteen to fifteen year olds, and I've noticed mobility has dropped off a fair bit the last year and a half. And even you start hearing of some minor hamstring strains and things with kids that normally wouldn't, uh, which is obviously deconditioning a bit of as well. But I have noticed, yeah, this, you know, the sedentary lifestyle they're all living with lockdown um is playing its part with mobility and more sitting and, and yeah just getting tighter through shoulders and hips so i think it is for those listening if you can 
start doing some yoga or some some pilates or even just getting on the foam roll and stretching and little things like that they do they do play a part and and hearing it from the top like you said it, it's going to help your game it's going to help you bounce up keep your feet um so performance point of view it's so important but also like you said geordie stairs and steve green yeah, from an injury prevention point of view um it's critical so yeah thanks for thanks for touching on that mate no worries we'll have a short drink break and uh, this is a little video about our academy Hey guys, Paul Curtis here from the Western Jets Football Club and um, this year I was fortunate enough to get help from uh, Prepare Like a Pro, uh, helping me prepare uh, for the draft combine. Um, my normal week would consist of, or seeing as uh, I was trying to improve my 2K, would consist of um, endurance days, um, I'd have a feel good day where uh, I try and work on my running technique and just feel comfortable in running, um, have my speed days. Um, I have some injury prevention exercises, um, lower body sessions and upper body sessions. Um, what I enjoyed most about the program um, was how Jack was quite invested in me, um, always checking up on me, giving me feedback. Um, we looked at my diet, um, so the stuff off the field, so hydration, sleep, uh, motivation levels and all that. So yeah, highly recommend and yeah, I um, enjoyed the uh, journey. Okay, welcome back, guys. This is the the lighter side of the podcast, Gav. It's uh, more side, mate. So, um, yeah, nothing to do with coaching, but uh, just a bit of fun about it. Almost a get to know you segment. Um, no so, the, the first one: which movie or TV series has impacted you the most, and why? Uh, well, the only series I've ever watched from what from the first episode right through is Breaking Bad. Um, that's a school yeah. teacher that, that really lost lost his way, I suppose. But um, yeah, uh, had me totally engrossed. Uh, didn't have a huge impact on my my life, I don't think. But um, thoroughly enjoyed it. But then, yeah, when it comes to others, I just love sports docos. Uh, anything around the All Blacks um, that certainly buys me up and gets me going. Listening to those guys, there's a number of good docos on at the moment. All or Nothing in the All Blacks and Dan Carter, uh, Richie McCaw doco. Yeah, outstanding. Yep. And favourite inspirational quote or life motto? Well, I've somehow got introduced. I don't even know how I did to the um, to the Stoics um, and Stoic philosophy. And I suppose there's two, mate. Really, um, the first one is we suffer more in our imagination than in reality. And the yep. second one is um, objective judgment now at this very moment, unselfish action now at this very moment, and unwilling acceptance now at this very moment of this external things I can't control. So they are the two that sort of resonate with me a lot. They're the two I reflect on a lot in my journal because I can get in my own way quite easily and um, they're important for me with not only how I live my life here at West Coast but how I live my life at home. Yeah, and you, you mentioned your journal. What does that look like? Is that a daily practice or? Yeah, it is. Um, uh, when, when I'm at my best, it is. Um, sometimes I slip. But, um, yeah, it's just reflecting on, on how I've gone with my purpose. Uh, am, I, am I doing what I said I would like to do? Am I living the values that I've said I'd like to live? Um, what, have I, what have I done well? What do I need to do better? Um, how, how am I going, basically? Um, and what's on my mind? Sometimes just getting things out of my head. I feel like I'm overwhel overwhelmed. Um, I feel like there's so much going on and I write it down I go, Actually, there's not that much. Uh, once it's rather than it just spinning around, if I see it on yeah. the page, I can prioritize or I can work out what I need to do. Yeah. Okay. So it's it's, it's a reflecting and checking in, but also a, a list of prioritizing your big rocks and what you need to get, what you need to focus on. Yeah, absolutely. And then the stoic stuff. There's a few emails that come out daily, and um, they're things that I would look at and read, and then think about how does that relate to me uh, or or to the current situation I'm in. So yeah. Yeah, and I think you mentioned earlier in the podcast um, knowing what what you're good at and your strengths, and also knowing what uh, what ticks you off. What what? So this next question is revolved around that. What makes you angry in your work life? What are your pet peeves? Um, we picked up a saying from one of our visits about sideways moaning. So people complaining and whinging and moaning sideways, as opposed to either going to the person that they have uh, that they need to discuss something with or going to a manager or someone that can help fix the problem or mediate the problem. Um, yeah, again, whether that's here at work or at home, like just going sideways doesn't help. It just makes things harder and harder because people don't know what's going on. So, yeah, sideways moaning is a is a big peeve of mine. Yeah. 
And these next two are a, uh, well, I, I normally say COVID-free world, but it's pretty much COVID-free in Perth, isn't it? So It is, mate. It is. I, I, I hope everyone's going okay over the other side of the country, that's for sure. Well, this actually, it does relate because it's COVID-free. So, like, the whole world's COVID-free. So what's your favourite way to spend your day off uh, is the first one, but then the next one's your favourite holiday destination. Yeah, my favourite way to spend the day off, if the waves aren't too big, then having a surf. Uh, we're very fortunate here in Perth. I've got some wonderful beaches. So getting out and getting into the ocean is um, is great for me. And if it's too big or too choppy, then uh, getting up into the hills, uh, going for a big bushwalk with a dog and uh, getting out there is, yeah, in nature, mate, for me, is the best way for me to spend, spend some time off. Um, yeah. And favourite holiday destination, well, I was very fortunate. I've been to uh, – my wife and I went to Vietnam back in 2000 and then we went back at the end of 2018 with our kids, backpacked through that country and it is just an amazing place. Um, yeah, I, I just hope um, it all opens up to go back. It's um, such an incredible um, geography, I suppose. It's a long, thin country so it actually changes so much from top to bottom and um, people are wonderful, the food's magnificent nice cold beers so it's a good place to go yeah yeah it's a good vibe nice that's uh yeah looking forward to the day we can all do that um going back to your career journey so you're in the development space is where we sort of took it off um and you've you've been there for a few years at what point did you recognize that head of development was something you were were working towards and, and when did it come a reality in your career well the role the role didn't exist when i started i suppose um yeah, I, I think basically the work that we were doing um, from 08 through to the end of 2013 with our first to third year guys and the improvement that we saw, um, Wusha and Neil Danaher um, and Craig Vozzo were, were leading um, our department in that at that time. And basically it came to a point where they, they asked me um, programs that we were running with the young guys, can we run that across the squad? And um, so... I, that's kind of how it happened and then whoosh and, and then neil got sick as well whoosh whoosh resigned and neil got crook and then my role my role changed we had a really young we had simo coming in and a really young coaching staff so then going back to the point earlier having a point of difference so me being a teacher a lot of these guys um were were really great players um brady rawlings and cox and justin longmire longmuir sorry um all great great players um but helping them get their experiences out in a, in a way uh, that educating and teaching players was, um, was basically what I built my role on, really. That was my point of difference from everyone else in the building um, in terms of yeah, a coach that was a school teacher that could actually help, help the co- coaches teach the players. So um, that's how the role became encompassing of the coaches as well. Oh, cool. Uh, that speaks volumes in what you've been preaching about You've got to keep reminding yourself your strengths and how important they are because um, it seems like it got you into the field and then it's allowed you to excel in the field as well and really make an impact. Yeah, I've been fortunate. I've worked with some great people, whether they're players or staff. We've been very blessed here at West Coast and, uh, yeah, looking to bounce back after a disappointing year this year, mate. Absolutely. And and on that note, like, what were some important things for 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 the coaches to to help them communicate and, and teach their experiences to the players like what what did you what were your focus areas well i guess um probably one of the key ones was actually having our coaches uh, when they have meetings starting with the end in mind so when a group of guys get up and walk out of this meeting or walk away from this training drill or this exercise or whatever it might be what is it that you want them to take away with them so if I can yeah. be really clear on that before I start, so that's that's for any other teachers out there, you write up your lesson plans when you're learning how to teach and you set your objectives and you're really clear on what that is. Um, you know how you're going to teach them and then you know how you're going to assess them. So having guys um, be really clear on these are the two or three things I want them to leave with. These are the things that are going to keep me on track so I don't get sidetracked and give them piles and piles of information. Um, and then I can also check how they've, if they've understood or what their learnings are or how they've interpreted um, the message too in, in a number of different ways. And uh, that's important to do. Whether you're a young coach or even an older coach like myself, I, I've had sessions where I thought I'd nailed it. And uh, when I've checked in for um, understanding or the key message, they may have left me a post-it note with what they, what they thought um, 
you know, some of it, yeah, great. I must have hit the nail there. And then others, woof, I missed my mile. So it gives me an opportunity to go back and follow up. So, yeah, it's, it's really important. What do I want them to get out of this? Making sure that my teaching is in and around that and then how am I going to check they've got it as opposed to any questions? No, right, go, off you. Yeah. See you later. Yeah, okay, so feedback's critical. And, and you mentioned the players would write poster notes and that's, that's almost your own personal assessment to see uh, yeah, how congruent your session plan was to to the outcome of what the players absorbed. Um, would they yeah. how, for the main training session of the week? Like, how frequent would you would you do that sort of? Oh, that's just a, uh, just. I suppose I was just using an example of a strategy that I that we've used and that I've used where it was in a team meeting uh, that I was running, and I gave them all a post-it note, write down the key message, and stick it on the board and your and your number or your name on the bottom, and stick it on the board as you walk out it's just a strategy that so then i can go around and have a look at what they took and then follow up with those that i need to um but it's yeah it's just good questioning it's um opening asking open questions that and giving people time to think giving people time to discuss um so rather than saying um hey jack what should this guy do here and then you're under the pump and then everyone else is off the hook it's like okay i'm going to ask some of you guys what's uh what's the key message out of this meeting or what should this player be doing on this screen? Have a chat with your partner, work it out. Um, I'm going to be calling on one of you just to be ready to go. So then everyone's engaged. I guess it's trying to keep our players, whether it's at training or in meetings, as engaged as the presenters are. Yep. And going into those important meetings, um, how many key points would you typically have? Uh I mean, we do we we do cover, and even when I'm taking things, we do cover a lot. But it's really just what are the two or three big big things that you want that you want done. Um, that 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 for me, I mean, it's it's uh, very difficult to remember more than that. I think anyway, let alone when you've bouncing from meeting to meeting, or you've just had a huge training session or whatever it might be. But um, yeah, I just think that opportunity to re- re- reflect and learn. And put in place a plan for the next, whether it's out in the track or it's in a team meeting, whatever it might be. Um, yeah, you need you need an opportunity to reflect on what you've done and what you take away from it. Yeah, absolutely. And and you've mentioned as well um, that COVID has impacted the development space. Um, so what has that looked like? Like in your over your career, has it gone back to five, how it looked five years ago, or is it just completely different and it's never looked the way it is? Um, what what's sort of the department looking like at the moment? Uh, the department certainly shrunk last year when we were in hubs. Uh, like you mentioned, we've been so fortunate in Perth. We've basically, um, apart from when we've done quarantine trips, um, where people in Perth have been living quite normally for the, um, for the bulk of the year. Pardon me, with a couple of couple of little shutdowns and so on. Um, it's, I mean, twenty twenty for us was um, really tough for our younger players because we we're living in Queensland pretty much, and then playing little. 10 on 10 games and that sort of thing. Um, I really feel for the kids in Victoria that have probably played hardly any footy. Um, but um, I guess with the cuts that have been made across the across the competition from a financial point of view, uh, that's impo- impacted the number of staff that we can have that working with players. Um, but the opportunity to, to play really has been, um, our guys have been relatively lucky. Uh, they've been able to play this year in our waffle side. Um, but I, I'm not sure what, what the guys say, the Melbourne the Melbourne guys that weren't playing in the AFL team, I, I don't know what their season would have looked like uh, or what footy they would have got to play, but I'm, I'm assuming it wouldn't have been a great deal. Yeah, awesome, mate. Well, yeah, thanks so much for, for jumping on and sharing your experiences and what's worked for you and, and allowed you to have the success that you've had, but also the learnings and, and how you go about you know, sort of your mindset and your preparation as a coach and um, yeah, yeah, the focus that you have on your craft. It's uh, super inspiring and no doubt, developing footballers and, and coaches that have tuned in have taken down some important takeaways. All right, Jack, thanks very much for inviting me, mate. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, thank you. And uh, I know I've definitely taken away some key points. Um, so thanks, mate, again. Um, what What's uh, on the horizon for you for the rest of 2021? What are you excited about? Um, we're really excited about getting our players back and getting into a good summer, a good pre-season. It's been interrupted, over obviously, over the last couple of years. Um, all things going well. Um, our pre-season will start on the 22nd of November. So really keen to get that underway. Um, we've got some new coaches on board and, and Maddie Knights and uh, Jared Schofield. So really excited what, what they'll bring. And, um, yeah, looking forward to a little break, mate, in between all that. And then um, 
yeah, just ready to ready to get back into it, and um, yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully we have a, a really good plan in place and get underway and, and and give a good showing of ourselves as a footy team and a footy club. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The Eagles will bounce. Let's hope so. <laughs> awesome. Thanks again, Gav. Really appreciate Thank you, your time. Good on you. Thanks, Jack. Cheers. Thanks for tuning in, guys. For those that didn't watch the whole uh, episode, make sure to watch the recording on our YouTube channel where you can watch the chat we just had with Gavin. I uh, really recommend it. It was a super informative chat, um, and you can see the, the experience that Gavin's had with teaching background. He worked in fitness and in football and then uh, has dominated in the development space over the last 13 years, uh, really clear with his communication and all throughout the whole chat, you can see the, the teaching experience coming in and being intentional with the time that you have with the athletes. Um, and for the footballers listening in, um, no doubt you guys took down some important takeaways with the pillars that the West Coast Eagles have in their development space and how important it is to focus on your strengths and, and work on those. So thanks for tuning in, guys. Our next live uh, interview will be with Gary Baker on Monday at 11 a.m., so make sure to tune in there. Cheers. If you enjoyed this episode and want even more, our academy is for you. The Prepare Like a Pro Academy is a platform that hosts exclusive features and bonus content such as a Q&A segment aimed at getting to know the guests on a more personal level. Here's an example with Emily Meehan, head sports dietitian at the Collingwood Football Club. What are things that, that fire you up? Oh, this one is always, uh, I suppose it is... Um... It'll be topical for most people, I think, but staying in your lane. And I yep. often find that with nutrition, everyone eats, so everyone has an opinion. And I think that's what really gets me fired up um, because so many people try and provide nutrition advice based on their end of one experience when they did intermittent fasting or keto or whatever it might be. And then game changes, yeah, game changes whatever that might be. And look, it probably keeps me in a job, but that it does drive me insane because yeah. sometimes the information can be so detrimental um, and opposite to what I've been working with my athlete or athletes and, you know, and because they hear it on someone's socials or through a documentary, it unravels everything that I've been working with an athlete for. Yeah. Another feature of our academy is the opportunity each week to join myself as co-host on the Prepare Like a Pro live chat show. Here's an example with academy member Rama Davies, the friendly conditioning coach at the Box Hill Hawks. Welcome Rama to the chat. Uh, Rama has also worked at, at Box Hill, or currently he's working at Box Hill Hawks with us, awesome. so he's another Box Hill man uh, in the strength and conditioning department. So I'll handle it over to you, Rama, to, to ask you a question, mate. Thanks for joining us. Excellent. Thanks, Jack. And yeah, thanks, um, thanks, Sam, for the chat. It was, uh, I found it to be really insightful, plenty of gems in there, um, and I enjoyed it a lot. Um, mate, my, my question to you was, you spoke quite a bit about um, perspective during that chat, um, and I was wondering what are some of the things that you either know or um, do physically that um, you wish you either knew or did uh, back at the beginning of your career? Uh, what are some of those things? Mm, yeah, good question. Um, yeah, so I suppose with perspective on life, um, that sort of point, um, it yeah, certainly yeah, has been massive for me now and, and didn't probably have that as much um, when I was younger. Um, I suppose... One thing I might mention is is gratitude. I spend a lot of my mm. time um, doing a lot of gratitude exercises, listening to podcasts, doing a, a journal every day just to, be, to say what I'm grateful for, sort of three things. And um, that's a fantastic way that I've been able to, yeah, like reset and, and just kind of gain that gratitude and perspective about, you know, that there is more to life than football or, you know, might be whatever as an S&C coach, you know, if something's you're having a hard time, um, it can be massive with just yeah opening your eyes a little bit and losing that sort of tunnel vision or being stuck in that in that work bubble um yeah. so that's that's been huge um i think i wish back then when i was younger i asked more questions and was a bit more open to different things 
Mm. I think I was a bit single-minded back then and, um, you know, I thought there was one way of doing things and um, if I kind of didn't have that fear of, you know, asking a silly question or fear of judgment, it would have got me a lot further and I probably would have learned a lot quicker. Um, and, yeah. and, yeah, like just, yeah, being open to sort of different things because um, you never know what you might find. It's just, yeah, there's so many people, like great people out there, knowledgeable people to learn off. And there's plenty more where that came from. If you would like to learn more, then enter patreon.com forward slash prepare like a pro or head to the link in our show notes. Thank you for listening to the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. If you like this episode, it'd be a massive help if you could like, follow, rate, give a review or even share with your mates. The show is recorded in Melbourne, Australia. Be sure to follow our Instagram page for all updates on our latest and greatest. If you would like to get in touch to suggest a guest, or advertise with the Prepare Like a Pro podcast, please email me at jack at preparelikeapro.com. Thanks so much for tuning in.